it's the South Side's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast. Deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Brock. 50 pitch, five. Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. You follow me on Snapchat, I will follow you back guaranteed. Also on Instagram, IGJHood, as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank Studios. Strong, trusted, First Midwest Bank. On the program tonight, we're going to hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. We'll talk to him coming up at 810. Also, Summer of Football. We're going to push it back because we want Jesse to be able to come on and talk about the Cubs and the Pirates. But we'll have Summer of Football coming up at 830. Jerry Azuma. You'll hear from Jerry Azuma his thoughts about the upcoming Bears season. The former secondary standout for the Chicago Bears is going to be with us 8.30 right here on ESPN 1000 and plenty of time for your thoughts as well. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Hope that you enjoy your weekend. Hope that you enjoyed your Friday. We're with you until 9 o'clock. Then it's Freddie Coleman and Ian Fitzsimmons with Freddie and Fitzsimmons right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. A lot to get into in the next couple of hours. So glad that you are with us. I um, You ever ever think about the word Why? Everything about the word why, you know, you ever have um, someone a, a real, like a toddler or someone just beginning to talk and they ask you all these questions and they, you, you tell them the answer and then they say why. And then you tell them the answer and they say why. Well, the biggest word when it comes to almost anything, especially in our sports society, is why. Why is this happening? Why does this happen? Uh, and, and so one of the big whys, I think, this summer is what's going on with home runs in Major League Baseball. Why? Why is it happening? Now, you have a theory, I have a theory, and we're both going to share those theories together tonight. But why? Why do we see so many home runs in Major League Baseball? I was looking at these stats earlier, and I just want to share them with you coming in, coming out of the All-Star break. So, 3,691 home runs league-wide at the All-Star break. 159 players with double-digit homers, a team on pace for over 300 home runs. 2019 was tabbed the year of the home run from opening day in Japan 
and the pace has not relented. Here's some numbers for you. Okay, so the 3,691 home runs hit so far are the most in a first half in Major League Baseball history. The previous record was 3,343 back in 2017. The only season where there is 6,000 home runs. You realize that we're on pace for about 6,600 home runs this season, which would break the previous Major League Baseball record of more by more than 500 home runs back in 2017. In total, there are 25 teams with at least 100 home runs at the All-Star break, surpassing the mark of 23 from the record-setting 2017 season. Perhaps even more startling is the fact that there are 14 teams on pace to break their single-season franchise record for home runs in a season. Of those four, it's the Twins, the Brewers, the Mariners, and the Yankees. They're on track toward breaking the 2018 Yankees' current Major League Baseball record of 267. So the teams that are set to have franchise records in home runs in the National League, the Brewers, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Cubs, the Padres, Diamondbacks, Mets, Nationals, and Pirates. In the American League, the team's on pace to set franchise home run records. The Twins, the Mariners, the Yankees, the Athletics, and the Astros. Now, a number of those numbers that I gave you might be a lot to swallow, right? When I tell you that the 3,691 home runs hit so far are the most in a first half in Major League Baseball history, we have to be able to diagnose this and be able to really look at that number. That is a blank ton of home runs, right? A lot. A lot. In 1998... Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were on their home run chase. You remember this very well, right? The chase to find out who was going to be having the the most home runs in that season. Also, during that time, you saw Barry Bonds chasing Hank Aaron for the home run title to be the king of home runs. The most home runs hit in Major League Baseball. Bonds was on that chase. He was able to surpass Hank Aaron, do you realize that baseball has never been able to really recover with that type of hype since that time? If you're a longtime baseball fan, you like baseball for the food, you like baseball because of the camaraderie, you like it because you have a favorite team, you watch baseball because of the intricate nature of it and and the strategy of it, depending on which league you root for, you are trying to go along with what the manager is doing. There's a number of reasons why that you even watch baseball or even interested in baseball. But the point is, is that the one thing that continues to prevail is the amount of home runs that are hit in Major League Baseball. As we talk about this with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, you and I both know that the ball is juiced. And if you have someone that does what I do for a living and talk to you about sports and things that we're interested in when it comes to sports... Uh, If someone tells you that the ball is not juiced, they're just trying to be contrarian because everybody sees what's going on. When I give you pure data of how many home runs that's being hit, I think you and I know from the home run chase that something's going on with the baseball. I mean, we saw what happened in 98, and so we're seeing what's happening now. A A wink and a nod to Major League Baseball, they see what's going on in sports in general. I put a poll up 
and, and Sean, you can retweet this at ESPN 1000, but I'll put a poll up regarding what's the most exciting offense in sports for you as a fan. The most exciting offense in sports for you, is it a three-pointer in basketball? Is it the breakaway goal in soccer or hockey? Is it a touchdown in football? Or is it the home run? 15% of you say the home run is the most exciting offense in sports. When you see the home run, it's like having Thanksgiving dinner for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's what the home run is now in Major League Baseball. You love Thanksgiving, and you love the dinner that comes with Thanksgiving once Thanksgiving comes. But you don't not think about Thanksgiving dinner in March. You're not thinking about Thanksgiving dinner in June and thinking, you know what I'll have for lunch? I'll have a full Thanksgiving meal for lunch in June. That's not what Thanksgiving's for. That's the reason why there's a Thanksgiving meal. Major League Baseball is trying to give you the Thanksgiving meal every single day by giving you home runs in abundance every single day. But the thing is, is that when it comes to Major League Baseball, they're doing all they can to be able to get our eyeballs to their product. They want us to be able to watch what's going on in MLB. And it's great. That's fine. But here's the thing. One of the things that you got to know about Major League Baseball is is that baseball is fine the way it is. Bunting and sacrificing, home runs, game-winning RBIs, fast plays. The triple is, if not the exciting play, probably one of the most exciting plays in Major League Baseball. But here's the thing, is that the true essence of the game is about the action on the field and the time that that action takes place. See, the thing is, is that if you look at baseball the way it is, people are concerned about the time, how long the games are versus actually the action inside the, the diamond. They're more concerned about, is this a three-hour game, is this a four-hour game, and what kind of action are, am, I, am I seeing? Am I getting value for my dollar? And I think that one of the things you look at for Major League Baseball is this, is that no matter how many home runs you hit, if you're at the ballpark for three and a half hours and your team does not win, or if your team just kind of haphazardly goes about its business, it's not a fun experience. See, when you continue to feed the audience Thanksgiving dinner, game in and game out, it's not as much fun because home runs are up and that's because the ball is juiced. But maybe there's another reason why that the baseball's the way it is. Maybe there's another reason why we have so much offense in Major League Baseball. Maybe it's because of what Jeff Passan told Kaplan Company, saying that players may be uh, microdosing. I don't think guys are turning into these cartoonish figures anymore and walking around, you know, with their backs full of acne and showing all the telltale signs. I do think guys are are microdosing, and you know that that leads me to the question. Is that so bad? I'm serious when I ask this. If guys are taking small doses in order to keep their bodies in shape throughout the grind of a 162-game season where they're traveling all over the country at terrible hours, where they're, where they're trying to keep in shape as well as they've ever been before, is it such a bad thing 
that people are trying to maintain their bodies through any means possible so they can go out and perform. I personally don't think so. As, as long as it's used as something for maintenance rather than for going out there and, and turning into, you know, this behemoth who wants to go and hit 70 home runs, I morally, personally, don't have a single problem with that. Jeff Passan covers Major League Baseball for ESPN. Think about that. There are some that will hear that minute nine soundbite and say, how irresponsible is it for Passan to say that about microdosing, saying that it's okay it's all right for guys to be able to, but you know, here's the thing that you and I both know is that for you and I as adults, we know the tooth fairy is not going to come to us. We know that the Easter buddy is not going to come to us as adults. So we have to understand and have an adult conversation about what we watch in sports. You and I are watching sports every day. And whether you are a baseball fan, a football fan, basketball fan, pro wrestling fan, MMA fan, you understand with a wink and a nod what is going on in sports? You realize that what you're watching is not 100% clean. That there are athletes that will take a half step. They'll take a, a couple steps to be able to get themselves healthy enough to play every day by any means necessary. If that means cutting corners, they will do that. I'm not going to make sure. I'm going to make sure that you understand that I'm not going to say that everybody in sports is on something. But I think that we have the understanding with a wink and a nod that there are some players that will take that extra step to be able to to get away from injury. They will take or shoot whatever they need to shoot in their body to make sure that they are 100 percent and good enough to be able to play their particular sport. And so if this is happening in Major League Baseball and if we're talking about, oh, is there steroids in baseball? Sure, sure. Is there, is there steroids in football and basketball? Sure, of course. Of course, there's some kind of performance-enhancing drug. Everybody that we watch is not pure. Everybody that we watch is doing something. That's that's Some people would say that. But I think that there's a percentage of athletes that will definitely do what it takes to be able to entertain us so they can be healthy, so they can continue to make millions of dollars. Because ultimately, it's about what? It's about entertainment. So you can't be surprised at that. So do you ever wonder why, going back to the question why, why is the baseball juiced? Because baseball wants our attention. But maybe, just maybe, not only is the ball juiced, maybe, just maybe, some of the athletes might be juiced as well. Glad to have you in today here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The Cubs win today. The Cubs, they defeat the Pirates over at Wrigley Field by the score of 4-3. to three. What we saw today, if you didn't watch the game, I watched it for you. You Darvish had, I can make the argument, the best outing he's had in 2019. Six innings pitched, two hits, eight strikeouts, 4.72 ERA, 94 pitches, 62 for strikes. He was terrific. Absolutely terrific. And so he had a no decision in that because... Strope comes in out of the bullpen, blows his third opportunity for a hold, and then the game is tied, and then Hayward comes through with an RBI single to give uh, the Cubs a lead 4-3 to in the bottom of the eighth, and they win the ball game in their first game coming out of the break. So the Cubs are 48-43, and and I think we know what the issues are with this Cubs team. There's a number of them. 
we have talked about this a lot here over the break and leading into the end of the first half of the season is that this Cubs team does not feel like the Cubs teams, even from last year or the year before that, the World Series team. It just does not feel like Cubs baseball. And there's a lot of um, conjecture that's out there about what's wrong with the Cubs and trying to put your finger on it. I said this last night before all hell broke loose with the Westbrook deal. I said in our first half hour of the show that I feel like this is a different dynamic with Joe Madden versus other managers in Major League Baseball and and other managers that the Cubs have had as well. Here's what I mean. Think about the worst Cubs manager that you've ever seen. Just think about it. Think back. Yep, someone in the 80s. Yep, someone in the 90s. Yeah, someone in the early 2000s. There might be someone you're looking at who's like, man, I never liked that guy. Someone in the 70s. I I never liked that guy. Well, this is different. Because here is a World Series championship manager and also a manager that's led the Cubs to higher heights, heights that I don't think that you and I ever thought we'd see on a regular basis. We've seen the Cubs one and done, 84, 89, you know, late 90s. We've seen the Cubs be able to get back up there to the playoffs, win the division, but never get to the World Series and win it. So this is a different stratosphere because Joe Madden, who loves to be out in front of the media, loves to talk, loves to be able to protect his players. And he's doing it because he feels that's best for him. He only meets with the team three times. Start of the season, middle of the season, end of the season, or the playoffs. He doesn't have these closed-door meetings all the time like some managers may. But at least there's a line of communication with Madden and the players. If the Cubs underachieve, there is no path forward for Madden to return. And I will feel like I felt about Joel Quinville being fired in that egos prevail. If there's a little underachievement, doesn't necessarily mean you have to fire the manager. But because the stakes are so high and because of the financial investment that you have in the team, you want to see the team back in the World Series if you're a Cubs fan. And I totally understand it. But the thing that I look at with uh, Jesse Rogers' piece, and I hope you get a chance to read it at ESPN.com, he gave a real great um uh, really a great view of what's going on with Cubs baseball going into the second half of the season. Um, and he quoted Theo Epstein on a couple of things. Listen to this quote. Theo said, this group has been together for a long time, so sometimes the same message isn't as effective. And it's incumbent on all of us, whether it's transactional, whether it's finding different combinations, or as a coaching staff, giving a different message to get the most out of what we're looking for. It's not easy. The last calendar year, we haven't really gotten the results in terms of the way we're playing, the way we're facing challenges. The key to that sentence, the group has been together for a long time, so sometimes the same message isn't as effective. Stop right there. So, yeah, Joe has been here for a little bit, but not to the point where I feel like the message is lost. Maybe the message is lost between the manager and the general manager, That very well could be because Joe has his own philosophy, but Joe has the ring. And when you win, everybody gets credit. But when you fall short, Joe is going to get the ax for this. If the team falls short, yeah, the team doesn't seem the same, but you can make the argument that the roster is not the same. The core I believe in, 
But some of the other guys, you know, you look at the bullpen or you look at certain things off that bench, not as strong as it has been in years past. But I think the core is good enough that it should have been able to be strong enough to contend and be in first place, but a solid first place team in the National League Central. Some thoughts from Joe Madden now going into the second half. Joe said this the other day about trying to get the edge back. When we play all these different teams, I look at the team on the field and I try to match it up and see if we have a, a strong edge or any edge at all. And uh, when it comes down to looking at a lot of these teams offensively, I can't tell you that we have the edge. Um, we have uh, really good players at a lot of positions, but so do these other teams. It's going to come down uh, from us. I mean, I think all we're going to pitch, I think, in some somewhat the same regard. Uh, we have to make less mistakes on defense, but to get to that point, I think we just like, I can't harp on it enough. We have to get uh, extract more out of the offense. And, and without, like I said, um, adding new methods or more work in regard, it's, it's more about the mental concepts, the adaptations being made, uh, forcing pitchers into the strike zone, moving the ball with two strikes. Uh, becoming more of that swarm and still being able to hit the home run. We're able to do all those things, but that to me is where the run is going to happen. Um, offensively, just forcing the other team to get us out in the strike zone. Thoughts there from Joe Madden. He laid out a number of things he wants to see, but you can talk about it, but if it doesn't, if it's not executed, then you know what happens. The blame game will happen at the end of the season. As I mentioned, I do not see a path forward for this Cubs team to retain Joe Madden unless this team turns around in the second half. I'll tell you what, with the Hayward game-winning RBI, the way the pitching was today, the starting pitching, it's good enough for this Cubs team to contend. But then when I'm watching Dodgers games late at night, I'm like, wow, they got the magic. <laughs> they got the magic. And that's the same magic the Cubs used to have, and I don't see it now. As far as the White Sox are concerned, the White Sox start their second half against the A's. And I thought that it was a really good piece written by James Fagan from The Athletic, theathletic.com. Check it out. He talks about uh, the White Sox. He says that the actual record of 42 and 44, that 42 and 44 mark, is amazing. But the run differential of minus 71 is much less encouraging, that's for sure. Lucas Gilito is in the middle of his biggest funk. Moncada and James McCann both uh, got a lot of mileage from their sky-high BABIPs, B-A-B-I-P-S. Uh, the bullpen seems to uh, thrive on balls hit at people. Tim Anderson is still a rehab stand away. Carlos Rodon is uh, off from April. He's not going to come back until August. So he talks about some things that are questionable about this Sox team, but one of the positives about the Sox, and it's not even on the roster, is Lewis Robert. Can Lewis Robert, the way he's been hitting, I mean, he just got the AAA in Charlotte, right? And so he went 3-for-5 with a pair of home runs in his night's debut. Could Lewis Robert be on the main roster even before the call-ups? I mean, here's the thing. You and I both know the White Sox are not going to make the playoffs this year, at least based on how you look at the roster composition. But there's nothing wrong with bringing a kid up if he, you know, if he's going to give you a little pop because he is just tearing up the minor leagues to the point where you're making he's a 4A player more so than a AAA player based on the offense that we've been seeing from him so far. So that's a positive. And then you got to think about the trade deadline too. What is best for the White Sox at the trade deadline? Because you know the Sox are not going to make the playoffs, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Sox have to trade 
all of their major assets. Because you have a, a lot of young players that will be coming up, young players on the roster, young players also in the minor leagues. So Alex Calame, proven closer, he's got results. And then Lurie Garcia, massive collection of utility-level skills, are the White Sox' most choppable trade assets at the moment. Uh, we have to find out whether or not the Sox can make a deal for someone that can be on the roster or for someone for the future. Because Colome and Lori Garcia look good, but I, as far as some of, these, some of these other guys, I'm not sure if I'd make a move. And something else, too, that was, he mentioned in the piece regarding the White Sox. I've been saying this for the last couple of seasons. I think that Jose Abreu should stay with the White Sox. And I don't know from a money standpoint, salary standpoint, what that's going to take. But you take a look at that slash line, uh, 331, 352, and 537 in 29 games since June 1st to push aside memories of Paul Canerco's finals years um, and thinking about how he could end his career with Chicago. That very well could happen. you Even in today's climate where it's so fluid, players come and go, right? I just think that as someone that could be an, a, a strong presence in that clubhouse, Abreu should stay for a while. I have no problem with that. None at all, actually. I think that in his better years, he's going to be a DH, you know, and I think they got to find someone at first base, but why can't Abreu be that guy? Just like Konerko was for the White Sox. So I, I, I think uh, that would be a good idea for the Sox to keep him around because the production is still there. Um, from a Jose Abreu standpoint. So it's a, some interesting thoughts, baseball-wise, Cubs and Sox. I've, one thing for sure, I never thought that the records would look this close together. The Cubs and Sox, the, the, the Cubs should be a lot better. The Sox at 42-44 and 44 going into the A's series tonight. Did not expect that either. <laughs> Did not expect them to be this good. And, and it, it could be fool's gold, but I, I tell you this, for sure, um... It's surprising because, as I always tell you, just give me something interesting to watch into Bourbon A. That's what I've always wanted. Just for the Cubs and Sox to give me something interesting to talk about so we can get to Bourbon A and get to Bear season. So, And so far, both teams, very, very intriguing. Cubs struggles and the Sox surprise so far here in the first half of the season as we are now in the second half of the Major League Baseball season. All right, coming up next, we talk about what is going on in the NBA and whether or not you like it or not? As we talked about last night, Russell Westbrook, we broke the news here on ESPN 1000. Russell Westbrook was traded to the Houston Rockets for Chris Paul and a bunch of draft picks. What does that say about the NBA right now in 2019 or in sports in general? We'll discuss that coming up next here on this Friday night. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Jonathan Hood. If you know, you know. When we all clicking like Golden State, and you and your team are the motorcade, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. On ESPN 1000. Oklahoma City came to terms on an agreement, and this was done almost as soon as this auction started. James Harden was certainly a driving force in the Rockets getting this deal done. He wanted to play with Russell Westbrook. The relationship between Russell Westbrook and James Harden, they have history together. I thought they said nobody wanted to play with Russ. Houston obviously is in the mix. Yet again, this is a move that had to be made. I think from a talent perspective, it puts them right back in title contention. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. 
This hour of Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood is brought to you by Enzo Custom. Experience true custom and get the suit that you really want. Go to EnzoCustom.com. That's EnzoCustom.com. Schedule an appointment and get $50 off by telling them Tom Waddle sent you. Glad to have you with us on this Friday night. Beautiful Friday night. Hope that you're enjoying your night. With you till 9 o'clock. 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. Reminding you about Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, the podcast. If you're a podcast listener, say you have a long drive into work or a long drive to to going different places throughout the week or the weekend or on that train, that public transportation, that bus, and you need someone to be with you, I can be with you. Under the Hood Show podcast, wherever you download your podcast, Apple Podcasts on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you download your podcast. If you don't catch our show weeknights, we have all we got that, and we've got a lot of other content that you won't hear on ESPN 1000. It's on the podcast as well. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, the podcast. Check it out wherever you download your podcast. So last night we had our show mapped out Thursday night, Throwback Thursday, and. We had uh, summer football for you, and we had some you know, some plate spinning. We had a lot of things that we had for you until this time last night, the Russell Westbrook to Houston Rockets news broke, and so that flipped everything. Everything was flipped. We had to keep our focus on that story, and the reason why we did it that way last night and talked a lot about Russell Westbrook is because of the conversation that's been going on in the station this week, and I think a little bit last week as well, about Russell Westbrook coming to the Bulls. And what would that take for Russell Westbrook to come to the Bulls? I think that last night, if not last night, this entire NBA free agency and all this movement tells you who the real teams are and the teams that just want to hold their cards you go around the table and it's your turn to throw out a card and some teams just don't want to throw out a card because they are good with their assets. So you have to rule them out of the game in that game of cards because, well, if you're not going to throw out a card, you're disqualified. If you want to play the game, throw a card out. And the Bulls don't want to throw a card out. And you can see teams that do. <laughs> you can see the Philadelphias and the Milwaukee's and the Lakers and the Clippers and all these teams that want to vie for the championship, they're throwing cards out. And they're doing whatever it takes because the NBA is wide open. But the Bulls didn't want to throw a card out. Some thoughts from Mark Shanowski last night from NBC Sports Chicago. Mark is a very underrated mind when it comes to basketball. Not just Bulls either. I like talk. I want. I should have talked to Mark a lot more often, uh, but we're going to get him on a little bit more often now because Mark is is very good when it comes to just not just philosophy in the NBA, but money and situations in this league. Mark talked about how the Bulls are just kind of doing their old school business. I think Westbrook is certainly a. They're still operating under the old game where you try to uh, clear your roster out for cap space thinking, uh, well, 2021, look at this, Paul George and Giannis are going to be free agents. It doesn't work that way anymore. You know, the cap space is nice, but when we see all the deals that have been made since the end of the season, teams that are creative and can get a couple of stars to want to join forces, they just find a way to get it done. The cap space, you know, that's almost an outdated concept. It just doesn't work anymore. You've got to be in a situation where you have an attractive group with the, where, where the players respect your front office and your head coaching staff and, and everything else. And then 
and then you can swing a deal. It's all it's all about deal making now. You're not you're not signing one guy as a free agent. It seems like everybody's got to have a tandem, a best friend who's going to come along. And you know the old way of doing business uh, just doesn't work anymore. Yep, thoughts there from Marchinowski. That's why when I first broached this, I was looking at at the situation and and heard the story come off a of vacation. And I'm just like everyone's talking about Westbrook to the Bulls. Why? Did they not realize that John Paxson and Gar Foreman is still in place? <laughs> they believe in their assets, and that's how they do business. That's, their business model is not going to change just because we want it to change. So this whole story with Westbrook. Westbrook and Harden back together again. So Royce Young was on ESPN talking about this, and he felt that Harden and Westbrook all along, they just want to reunite. The Rockets were far and away the preferred destination for Russell Westbrook. He wanted to reunite with James Harden, who's one of his close friends in the NBA. And as both those guys really, Freddie, they, they want to rewrite the narratives about him. And they, and they feel like they could kind of do that together. They both had pretty public postseason failures. And they feel like that why not just get together and see if they can correct some of that stuff. So Royce Young, who covered Oklahoma City Thunder for a long time, just like, you know, they just want to be able to come together. That's fine. But I think it's it's more than that, because Russell Westbrook looked at the Oklahoma City Thunder situation and said, well, if Paul George is going to leave to go to Los Angeles with Kawhi Leonard, then why should I stay here? And so that's why he made that choice. It was best for him. Now, I remember Jim Ross was on the program as well. Yes, we did have Jim Ross on, because I thought, well, Jim Ross is like from Oklahoma, the biggest Oklahoma uh, City Thunder fan there is goes to all the home games, let's put him on. And so he was on for a few minutes last night as well. You can go back to the archives, Under the Hood podcast, and you can hear it for yourself. But man, as he said, he said, well, that might be good booking. The idea that Russell Westbrook is going to be in the West, he's going to be in that building, his old building, a number of times, that's going to fill the building. People are going to be interested in seeing Russell Westbrook time and time again beating the thunder like a drum with Houston. But the bigger question is, what does this mean? On a couple of levels. What does this mean? Well, number one, the Houston Rockets are, are not going to be a serious contender, meaning at the tippy top for the Western Conference Championship. I think that they're going to be good, but I think that the problem with Houston is their defense. A couple of years ago, when they had balance on both sides of the ball, their offense is about threes and layups. You won't see in between with the Rockets. But it's about threes and layups. But their defense, once upon a time, was pretty good too. But they took away from their defense to try to add more offense, and you saw what happened last year. It's just not going to work, I think, overall for this Rockets team. As we talk about the NBA with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 on the ESPN app, I think it's good. I think it's exciting. I think it's intriguing. I think it's interesting to see the dynamic of Russell Westbrook and James Harden again, and this time both in Houston Rockets uniforms, but not to the point where I think a championship is going to happen in Houston. But the point is, is that at least Del Morey is trying to do something. And that's the difference between basketball here and basketball in New York and basketball in Phoenix and basketball in Charlotte and, and basketball in these other places where you continue to see the headlines. That's the difference. I feel like between me and like Black and maybe a few others around here, I feel like we're the only one that's like trying to tell you what's real in the NBA, not just with the Bulls, just like in the NBA. 
you have to see what's going on in 2019. This is the era of player empowerment, where if a player, even though he has a contract, he can be able to say and wake up one morning and say, you know what, I don't want to play here anymore. But maybe that player won't feel that way if you have a good organization or if you have a, a really good um, infrastructure, you have a good team, a chance to win a championship, because nothing else really matters outside of the financial uh, windfall that these players get. They do care about legacy. The, the difference between the players in 2019 and, say, 1997 is they're really concerned about their worth as far as winning a championship. Nothing against Charles Barkley or Reggie Miller or some of these other players that never won a championship, but I think that today's player says, I will be with the most talented players possible to be able to win a championship. Now, here's a second thing I want to look at with this. When you have a player like Paul George, who forces the hand of Sam Presti, the general manager of the Thunder, and says, you know, I, I want out of here. I want to play for the Clippers. I want to play with my guy Kawhi Leonard. What does that say for sports? What does that say for the NBA? Like, if you are defiant and you love how players today can say, you know what, I just want out of here. I don't want to be here anymore because players feel isolated or players feel depressed because that was a big talking point as well for Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, talking about how he's never seen so much depression in the NBA. Money aside, talking about the isolation of players, how they're always on their phone, there's no communication, they don't, they're not like you and I. You know, I'm a Gen Xer. I'll talk to anybody. <laughs> I'm talking to you right now. Uh, but there's some people that are millionaires that play the game that we love to play and love to watch, but yet they're somewhat depressed. And so maybe this is the reason why so many players want to be able to move around. Yeah, they want a championship, but what does that say for um, what does that say for the business? What does that say for sports in general? The player empowerment is fine, but if it's, is it a detriment to sports? Is it a detriment to the NBA? Some things that are happening now in the NBA would never happen under David Stern, the former commissioner of the NBA. It would have never happened, but it's happening now. So what does that say? Do you, I wonder in the NFL, and I'm going to talk to Jeff Dickerson about this when we do our show tomorrow afternoon between 3 and 6 here on ESPN 1000 because he covers the the uh, NFL and the Bears, of course, for NFL Nation. I will ask him the difference between the NBA and NFL players. I wonder if NFL players look at the NBA and say, man, I wish I could leave my team. I would love to be able to tell my owner, tell my GM, I want to leave. Because in the NBA, everybody's a free agent. Everybody is a free agent. Let's, Davis, let's hear from um, Kendall Gill. Because Kendall Gill was on the program yesterday talking about Russell Westbrook as well. Gill says to me that every player is a free agent. If you want to go, you can go. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that way in my day. But now... Uh, the players hold a lot of weight, um, and, you know, they exercise that option. You know, I, like Paul George walks into the office of, of, of OKC Thunder and says, listen, I want to I go be traded. You know, that would have never happened before. You know what the GM would have said? Well, sorry, we're not going to do that. But now it seems like the GM's just, uh, the team's just given to the players' will, and, and it happens. Um, and especially to a team 
that's in your conference. Normally, if a player came in and said that, back in the day, they would trade you out of the conference so, they, so that they wouldn't have to see you again. Yeah. But, but, but now that doesn't happen. They trade you right down the street. <laughs> that's true. That's what happened in the Houston-Oklahoma City game, uh, in that particular uh, trade, Oklahoma City and Houston. I wonder what that do for sports. What do you think? Hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweet Jay Hood. Also on Snapchat, snap Jay Hood. What do you think? If players just wake up one morning and say, I want to be traded, will this permeate through sports? Will this happen in Major League Baseball? Will this happen uh, in other sports where there will be a revolt? I would say, as an old schooler, that your word is your bond. If you have a contract, live out to your contract. If you want to force a trade, you can do that behind the scenes. But, I mean... There's an, if you're a free agent, that's one thing. But you're under a contract, and you're saying, no, I want out of here. I don't want to play here. <sighs> Man, it's more prevalent in the NBA than anywhere else. What does that, what does that say? Well, are we going to see more of this in other sports? Would you like to see this in other sports? It's interesting. The biggest event in men's volleyball is coming to Chicago. The U.S. men's national volleyball team will compete for gold in the Volleyball National League Finals against Poland, Russia, France, Iran, and Brazil July 10th through the 14th at Credit Union One Arena. That's at UIC. Watch the highest level of the men's volleyball in the world and see Olympic bronze medalist and Loyola Rambler Thomas Jaszewski and Loyola Rambler Jeff Jendrick compete with Team USA. The United States is looking to capture their first ever VNL title on U.S. soil. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. That's Ticketmaster.com. One question is next on UTA. You don't see just how wild the crowd is. You don't see just how fly my style is. Jonathan Hood. I don't see why I need a stylist when I shot so much I can speak Italian. On ESPN 1000. You're listening to my man's and them. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad that you are in with us. We will talk to Jesse Rogers about the Cubs and their victory against the Pirates coming up at 810. Also, Summer of Football. Jerry Zuma will be with us for Summer of Football, the former Bear, getting his thoughts on the upcoming season for the Bears. Well, you know, it's weeknights, right? We're here weeknights between 7 and 10 right here on ESPN 1000, and you know what happens, right? I mean, people, people get busy. They don't have time for a full conversation. But one thing they are here for... They will stop by for just one question. You guys lose this game or did the Jazz win this one? Time for one question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Just one question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000. It's time for one question right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. People don't have time for a full interview anymore on weeknights, but you know what? They do have time for one question. So I told Davis, go through your phone, and I'll go through my phone, and we'll find someone to talk to us and give us their answer to this one question. And who will we find? We go through the A's, the C's. Oh, we got to go back to the B's. There he is, our friend, J.R. Bang. There he is, Chicago's own J.R. Bang, friend of the program. What's up, Bang? How's it going? I'm excited about this. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to One Question, sir. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, anything to get away from the kids for five seconds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I just ran away from them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right, Bang. Here's your question. Are you ready for one question? I'm ready for one question. Let's go. 
Okay, uh, Jr. Bang, what is the worst date that you've ever been on? <laughs> the worst date that I went on, um, I had just broke up with my girlfriend at the time. Um, I met this girl. We went to, I think it's called the Brick House in Downers Grove. Um, she paid for my drinks. She paid for my food. She picked me up and everything. Um, and afterwards, because I said on Facebook that I'd rather be, I'd rather be in different company, she searched me out on Facebook and she saw what I wrote. Um, and she sent me a four-page text message calling me everything but a child of God. <laughs> And I got back with my girlfriend that night. <laughs> oh wow, that's a that's a twist I didn't expect. The end though. <laughs> it worked out. It worked out for the best. But yeah, she me out, man. I mean, and and the waitress was trying to hit on me during the date, and she didn't like that. Oh <laughs> wow. Well, there yeah. it is. Uh, there he is, content creator, everybody. He's J.R. Bang. Follow him on Twitter at J.R. Bang and also on Facebook. And ladies and gentlemen, that is one question. Jonathan Hood. Because all we trying to do is do good. Put on my hood when I walk through hoods. On ESPN 1000.